Welcome to this week's Project Action on Podcast One. Coming at you from the Polaris Razor Studio, Jim Beaver here, and we have we got one hell of a fun show today. This is one kind of dropped into my lap uh, the end of last week, and uh, we weren't even able to advertise it, but I think you guys are really, really going to be stoked on this one. We've got Micah Brown, who is the director of the new ESPN 30 for 30, Chuck and Tito on Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell's amazing rivalry in the UFC. And uh, we actually had a chance to screen this last night before we recorded with Micah today. And I got to tell you, this documentary is amazing. Uh, if you're tuning in right now and it's uh, on its Tuesday, you got a chance to uh, tune in this, this evening, the 15th, uh, to uh, the 30 for 30 on uh, Chuck and Tito. And uh, if you obviously are tuning in after the fact it's available uh, starting this weekend on espn plus so make sure and check it out it's uh man this is going to be a fun show we're just going to talk some uh, mma some ufc and that rivalry with micah and uh, i think you if you're an mma fan you're really going to uh really going to enjoy uh i think this conversation with uh with a guy who spent a couple of years uh with both chuck liddell and tito ortiz as they were making this espn 30 for 30 obviously you definitely want to uh, tune in tonight and uh, check that out right there on ESPN. And, uh, you know, we're going to get to that interview momentarily. Uh, before we do, you know, I don't ask you guys a lot of favors. One, You know, it's very rarely, right? If you're a new listener to the show, you will know that, uh, uh, yeah, it is, uh, it is definitely a, a rarity that I ask you guys to do something. But, um, you know, once in a while, I do have to ask that favor, and this is one of those times. Uh, I need you to take a couple of minutes, and, uh, you know, I don't ask this lightly. It, it really is important. Uh, but uh, Podcast One, definitely going to make it worth your time if you do this. I need you to complete a short survey because the information that you give will help make things better for this show and you as a listener. Right now, or when you're done listening to this, go to podcast.com slash survey. That's podcast1.com slash survey. Everything's going to be right there for you. First 250 people who do this will get a $10 Amazon.com gift card, and two grand prize winners are going to get selected at random to get a $100 Amazon gift card. And you know what? It's free money. It's a win-win. Our shows are supported by advertisers, and uh, you know, this will really, really help us out. It helps us tailor-make the few ads we do air directly to you, the listener of the show. Once again, it's podcastone.com slash survey. Answer the questions, and you might be able to make a little money with Amazon.com. Make sure when you do, please check the box for Project Action and check the box for my other show, Down and Dirty Show. Yes, Down and Dirty Show, Project Action. Check the box for both of them, and uh, you know that's how they know that uh, you listen to the show. Once again, it's podcastone.com slash survey, podcastone.com slash survey survey so uh yeah thank you guys for that and uh you know it's also uh week seven in the nfl and uh you know we got a, a lot of fun going on at uh podcast one Sportsnet um with betonline.ag we've got the Sportsnet challenge you can join that conversation on twitter at hashtag Sportsnet challenge uh, but what we're doing is is every week i take my top five picks of the week in the nfl and my lock the team i don't think will have any shot at losing and uh, if i uh, best all the other hosts here on podcast one Sportsnet, you know what i'm giving five hundred dollars and you know what i do with that five hundred dollars i pass it out to you the listeners yes five of you listeners to this show 
every week have the opportunity to win a hundred dollars a piece and five thousand dollars at the end of the year goes to a charity um you know it's uh, i'm right in there i think i'm third place in the standings out of about 20 different hosts so doing pretty solid means uh, you listeners to this show you have a real good shot at uh, potentially uh taking home some uh some money there with betonline.ag once again follow along on twitter hashtag sportsnet challenge you know nfl college football Major League Baseballs, they're all heating up this week with games you're not going to want to miss out on. And you know what? Our exclusive partner and friends at betonline.ag, you know what? Uh, They take advantages of their best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure and use the promo code PODCAST1, and you're going to get a 50% sign-up bonus to uh, lay out some bets. You know, in the NFL, we get some big Week 7 matchups, Oakland at Green Bay, Minnesota, Detroit, New Orleans at Chicago, Baltimore at Seattle, and Philly at Dallas. Uh, Then moving on to college football, it's week eight in the college football ranks. Yes, it is Michigan at Penn State, my own Arizona State Sun Devils there at Utah, Oregon at Washington, LSU at Miss State, and Texas A&M at Ole Miss. And you know what? We also got Major League Baseball playoffs going on. Yes, it is the second round of the Major League Baseball playoffs. And uh, make sure and head over to betonline.ag. Get in on it. I know I've been actually laying some NASCAR bets down recently. Um, really, really good lines. Um, I think, uh, what was it, like plus plus like 1600 or something like that for Kyle Busch to win this past weekend. I threw some money. He got close. Didn't quite hack it, but uh, it was a close one, man. Uh, you know, I think he was running top three there with one stage left. So I'm having a good time at betonline.ag. You should too. Visit betonline.ag. Don't forget, use the promo code PODCAST1. You're going to get a 50% sign-up bonus today. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And you know everybody's got a to-do list, drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do, go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you, yeah, that's you listening right now, could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket just may be the most rewarding thing that you do today. And, uh, yeah, I think it's about time we roll into talking some MMA, some Chuck and Tito with Micah Brown. Before we get to that, though, do want to um, mention go over there to itunes hit the subscribe button right now to project action it supports us please leave a rating or review let me know what you think of the show and if you do leave a rating and a review if you leave your twitter instagram at username in the body of the review and i see it i will follow you back on social media easiest way to get a follow from jim beaver and uh, speaking of social media i am at jim beaver 15 so uh, i would love to carry on the conversation with you guys on facebook instagram twitter wherever you like to uh whatever you like to tweet graham I don't know. What do you what do you say Facebook? I don't know. Follow? Wait, Facebook doesn't have any cool lingo. Anyways, I don't know. Whatever. Hit me up on social media. I'd love to carry on the conversation. Speaking of that conversation, we're going to roll right into my conversation with Micah Brown on ESPN's 30 for 30 Chuck and Tito right now. I'd like to welcome one of my guests to Project Action on Podcast One this week. We are going into the MMA space and we've got Micah Brown uh Man, Micah, you're uh, director of Chuck and Tito. This one, it, I love 30 for 30, and uh, I got to tell you, if you if you got to pick one 30 for 30 to direct, man, th- this this had to be at the top of the list, I think. I'd say this one and Ric Flair, to me, had to have been like probably two of my favorites that uh, that are coming out or have come out, you know, in the past couple of years. Yeah, it was a huge honor for me, you know, being a big fan of MMA and Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz, it was, it was pretty remarkable to have this opportunity. 
Yeah, well, and I got to ask, man. I mean, uh, you know, you've actually got kind of an interesting career. I mean, you played uh, college football and things like that. How was the draw to MMA? Because I know you've uh, you've done some stuff about like the the fighting system, you know, in uh, or the prison fighting system, uh, you know, in in Asia, and you, you've got like a bunch of different stuff in the sp- fighting space. I mean, you know, as you were playing football, was was fighting kind of something that was always there in the back of your mind, like you were, you know, kind of drawn to. You know, for me, it wasn't necessarily the sport of um, MMA that it was the big draw. It was more of, you know, the aggressive nature of the sport. I think when you play football, you kind of develop that competitiveness. You develop that kind of similar mindset and where, you know, the testosterone's going and you just, you know, you're looking to do something aggressive and hard hitting. But, you know, what intrigued me mostly about the fight world was just that these guys have crazy backstories most of them come from poverty or broken homes and they step into a ring and do or an octagon and do the most primitive thing you can do uh, test yourself versus another man well and i think that's an interesting point too because a lot of you know and i know uh both Cheeto, tito and chuck uh you know, it had said like this was kind of fighting was their escape. You know, like you said, it's one of those things where they could go into the cage and shut everything off. You know, and it was kind of you know their escape from the world. And I think it's interesting you mentioned that because people's various upbringings and things like that. It seems like you know there there are a few you know what I mean that have come from middle class or, or you know wealthier type backgrounds. But I mean by and large, I mean it, this is people kind of finding themselves through fighting. It seems like just in the industry as a whole. Yeah, you know, I I think that obviously everybody's story is a little bit different, but I don't know that a ton of people just choose to go get punched in the face. You know, I think that a lot of people do it because that's the best option at the time for them to do and make money for themselves and, you know, and their family. And then, you know, in Chuck and Tito's case, they were able to get a whole new life that they would have never been able to dream of, you know, by rising to stardom the way they did. Well, and I think what's really interesting about, you know, this is, you know, I I see, you know, I watch this documentary. I know it's airing tonight on ESPN. Uh, You know, I was lucky, fortunate enough to be able to screen it beforehand, but this isn't, you know, I, the thing I found really interesting is I thought it was really going to be uh, Chuck and Tito. And this was more of a, I don't want to say more of, because it was definitely about Chuck and Tito, but it was kind of a historical piece on just the UFC and MMA fighting in general. I thought it really took us back to the roots and kind of explained how the sport got as big as it is and, and how these two guys were a catalyst for that. Yeah, I think that was one of the most important things for me is to show the impact that these guys had. You kind of had to know what the sport was prior to these guys. And so we took it back to the Hoist Gracie and the Ken Shamrock and the Tink Abbott, you know, all these legends who were there in the very, very beginning. And then how Tito Ortiz took it, how the um, acquisition of the Fertitas buying the UFC and making Dana White the president you know, and um, and then Chuck Liddell's reign, how that all brought the UFC to be, you know, one of the most profitable organizations in sports now. Well, and I think, you know, I, I was one of those guys, you know, I, I, there was a quote in the movie where the original UFC tapes were like going into, uh, you know, the porn section of your local video store or something. It was like the stuff <laughs> shoved back in the corner. I laugh right. because I'm a small town guy, you know, town of 3,500 people. We had a video store in town and they had the porn section in the back and literally right next to it were the UFC 1, UFC 2, UFC 3 right. tapes. And it was funny because he said that and I'm like, dude, I remember it. And there was a group of kids from high school. Those things were always rented out. Like they were never in stock at the video store because – 
that was the only way to access his content. But like you, you rented it and you felt like you were, you, it was something taboo or something, you know? And I thought that was yeah. so funny because I think people forget the infancy of the UFC because we see this juggernaut today. Yeah. You know, 25 years, it's, it's crazy to think that in 25 years that the sport can grow to what it is today. You know, now parents got their kids going to jujitsu class, you know, and, and doing things like that. I mean, it's, it's really changed the perception of the sport. And I think a lot of it had to do with having legitimate athletes like Chuck and Tito. And then honestly, having Fertitas and uh, Dana White throw money into the sport to be able to educate people and get the rules changed a little bit to be able to show people this is a legitimate sport. These guys aren't just, you know, getting off their bar stool and, you know, punching people in the crotch. They're actually like legitimate athletes. And it is something that um, probably isn't as dangerous as boxing. I think that's a big thing, too. Well, you know, and I think that was, you know, one of the things, you know, that was in there talking about, you know, it was really smart of, uh, uh, you know, after the acquisition to actually go after the regulation. Because I remember, I mean, it, it was, you know, like they, there wasn't gloves. I mean, it was kind of a do anything you want within reason. But, I mean, there was headbutting. Yeah. It, it was very much a brutal, brutal sport. Not to say it isn't now, but I can understand. And I, I think that's so forward thinking of them at the time to be like, all right, if we're going to take this thing mainstream, you know, we, we really have to not necessarily tone it back, but we need to present it uh, maybe in a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say family friendly or fashion but at least a little more, you know, I guess, packaged product, you know? Yeah, exactly. It had to have that strategy to it. And it was a strategy that only a guy like Dana White could do. You know, honestly, I mean, he's probably the best promoter in the history of, you know, promoting. And I know that's a big statement to say when you got guys like Don King, you know, but Don King didn't build boxing, you know. Um, uh, you know, he literally took UFC from nothing and made it something. And I think that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Well, you know, and going back to Chuck and Tito, I think one thing that honestly I kind of forgot about, and I think people do because of, you know, this bad blood over the years and up until even recently, I mean, these guys hated each other. But I think, you know, a lot of people forget, and I know I have at times, that these guys were best of friends. And, I mean, uh, you know, they trained together. You know, we're in each other's corners and things like that. And I think, you know, everybody remembers the bad blood. But I think what I forgot about was the good blood that happened before that. You know, and I think that was one thing. I think even a lot of new fans to uh, to, to fighting, you know, they know the names. But I don't think they realize these guys were, were really close, you know, early on in their careers. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that Chuck definitely – was able to step in and help Tito accomplish what Tito was, was trying to do as far as keeping his, um, his belt, you know, and that was, that creates a special bond, you know, when you're on mission with somebody and you're trying to help them towards the goal, you know, and eventually, you know, the tides changed. And I think we see that a lot in, in fighters. Um, obviously you want to be at the top and you'll do anything to get there, even if it means sacrificing a friendship. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and talking about that, I mean, uh, you know, Tito, he was, uh, you know, he's very, very good salesman. I mean, you know, you, you know, you got a very, uh, you know, I guess, uh, open and, and, you know, walls down version of Tito in, in this, you know, in this film. I mean, you know, something like that. I mean, you, as you were doing it, I mean, did, did he see, you know, and I know there was, you know, references to Hulk Hogan and things like that. I mean, he's very much the pro wrestling type personality and, and things like that. You know, was that, I mean, a part of it is his personality, but, do you, but was part of it for the show and no, Knowing that, hey, this is going to uh, this is going to draw money, or or was that just completely, you know, just Tito's personality? Oh, 100%. It was a show. I mean, 
you know, I think some of it has to be your personality, right? Like I'm not running around and flipping people off, you know, but I'm also not trying to make, you know, millions and millions of dollars and make a brand for myself as that, you know? So I think that he definitely embraced the showman mentality like they do in the WWE. He says himself that he grew up watching those guys and he was really a big personality. Tink Abbott, you know, was doing similar things because that, but Tank wasn't really doing it as a showman. That just was Tank. Yeah. You know, he was getting his street fights every weekend. You know, Tito Ortiz, I think, saw that that's what people loved about Tank. And then he just took it to a new, whole new level. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I think it's funny because I started after I watched this last night, I really started thinking and I'm like, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, and a lot of champions, uh, you know, in the UFC that, you know, you could actually remove their entire career and I and I firmly believe the UFC would still be where it's at today, you know. But but there's very right. few. I mean, you've got Chuck and Tito, and if you remove either one of those, I think the UFC would be drastically different. I mean, Ronda Rousey is as another one that comes to mind. But there's very few over the course in the history. And we've got some legends, absolute legends of MMA. But one of the things I thought, you know, when you really think about it, is there's maybe three, four, five people, you know what I mean, that, that have built this company to where it's at. I mean, fight-wise, you know, that, you know, mm-hmm. they, the UFC's history, if you remove them from there, it's drastically a different landscape, you know? And I think that's one thing that really hit home with this is these guys literally put the wheels into motion to where we're at. Yeah, I mean, and they, you know, they fought at a very unique time for building their own brand. I mean, you think about uh, – what the fighters are wearing now, they're all wearing Reebok stuff or whatever they're wearing, you know, it's all corporate um, sponsors at that time, you know, Tito would come out and he had his flame shorts and Chuck had his ice shorts and, you know, they each like kind of embraced their own brand, their own personality in a way, you know, Conor McGregor has been able to, you know, maintain that brand, you know, mainly through like press conferences and some other things like that. But for the majority that time was so unique because there wasn't as many people trying to even do what these guys were doing. And obviously being the best fighters, they were able to rise to the top. Well, and I I think it's interesting too, because the personality is so drastically different, you know, and it was like, you know, I, I think in there, you know, talked about Chuck, you know, he, he lived to fight. I mean, that's what the guy did. Yeah. And, you know, it was, you know, he'd go in and it was, you know, it was very, I don't want to say little emotion, but he went in and it was just, you know, it was like almost robotic. You know what I mean? He just went in and it was like he had a mission, you know, and Tito, on the other hand, it was like he fought because he had to, but not necessarily because he was just loved it. You know, and I think it, it's so interesting, these two completely drastic personalities and, and how they came to where they're at now. Yeah, I mean, Chuck Liddell is a warrior at his core. I mean, I think Chuck, you know, would have fought for free. I mean, he he used to, you know, and, and Tito, he was just an entertainer. He loved the fame. He loved all the things that went along with being a champion, but he didn't love to just go fight people. He did it because it was a necessity to get him out of a life that he was in. And, you know, Chuck did it because Chuck was doing it for free anyway. He was going to dojos and you know, training before he was in the UFC just because he loved martial arts. And so, yeah, these guys had totally different personalities. But one thing I think is super awesome is that it's almost like a Batman and Joker thing. They hate each other, but they can't kill each other because in some weird way they need each other. And and that's what is so unique about these this rivalry. Well, and I think, you know, it's interesting to kind of see the, you know, and I know Tito, he, you know, he and Chuck both went through some struggles and Tito's kind of come back and he's, he's a little bit younger than Chuck, but I think, 
you know, kind of the culmination of uh, of this thirty for thirty was their last and final final you know fight. But like with Chuck, I you know a guy like that, like I think Tito could step away at any time, and you know, and I don't think that it would really bother him to never have another fight. You know, I I think he, he's still right. doing it because he knows there's money to be made and things like that. But I I think Chuck, like it, it literally, I mean, I I think it just ripped a part of his soul out. You know what I mean? And I think you know that's one thing that I really fought, found gripping because a lot of these guys step away and then you don't really hear much about them again. And I feel like Chuck had some real real struggles for that decade where he didn't fight. You know. Yeah, I mean, you know, Chuck Liddell, I mean, here's the reality of any athlete's life after sports is that nobody claps for you when you get a promotion. You know, I mean, you you go into real world, there's not arenas cheering you on. There's nobody's patting you on the back or asking you for your autograph. I mean, where are you going to go? Like work at Jiffy Lube, you know, or like what? nothing wrong with Jiffy Lube. I'm just saying, you know, a lot of guys, they're used to being an athlete from the time that they're a young kid all the way through it. And with fighting, what makes it so difficult is that it's so tied to your identity. I'm the baddest man on the planet. I'm the baddest man on the planet, you know, and that's like what just is resonating with their persona. So they walk into a room, everybody's like, Oh man, don't mess with him. He's the baddest dude. And then you suddenly start seeing those guys get knocked out. And so that pulls away at who you are at the core and now your opportunity is taken away. So how do you maintain that persona? How do you maintain, you know, that identity of who you really are? And I think Chuck has really struggled with that, you know, and hopefully he'll be able to uh, figure out something that'll get him. He'll never get that full fulfillment of being a fighter back, but hopefully he can get something that he's excited about in this next chapter of his life. Yeah. Well, and, and here's a question, because I know, obviously, you played college football. You were, you know, in bowl games and, and things like that. You were at the highest level of, of college football. And you stepping away from that and obviously not going into the NFL or anything like that, I feel like, you know, probably you're an ideal person to help tell this story because, you know, it probably wasn't easy for you to live your entire life playing football. And then all of a sudden, yeah, we're not going to do this anymore. You know, and so I feel like you probably have that personal experience where you're like, I, I know what this guy's going through. Yeah, I think it's something that I've been passionate about, you know, when it comes to the theme of identity, because in, in a much smaller stage, I've lived it, you know, but I think what um, what I've realized in my own personal journey is that if you if you tie yourself to anything that is fleeting in this world, you know, whether it's sport, whether it's your profession, whether it's whatever, and that becomes who you are and not like um, family, uh, you know, relationship with God or whatever you have that is that is not trivial then it's going to be really hard for you because those things are always going to leave you those things are always they're not meant to last forever and so um i think that for me personally it's been really fun to kind of like see that through other people's eyes and in some sort of way you know talking to guys like chuck talking to guys like tito about those kind of big picture things hopefully influence their life and the life of other people when they watch my films yeah. Well, I want to go back too, to that to kind of the final uh, you know piece of of the film, and that's the the trilogy fight that these guys did. And I know I've been an MMA fan for for decades at this point, you know, and uh, so I kind of watch this play out in real time, you know what I mean, over the course of you know decades and things like that. And you know, I know Chuck. I mean, you know, it was one of those when he retired, nobody faulted him. I think everybody was like, yeah, this guy, you know, needs to do what's best for his health and things like that. They come back, right. and at that point, even Tito, you know, it was just kind of one of those where he, 
I don't know, like this whole thing, it was so interesting that I think when they came out of retirement, I think Dana White, everybody, I think it caught everybody by shock because we never thought it would happen, that it should happen, it could happen, whatever, you know. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like, you know, how was that to talk with these guys? And I feel like that really was closure for both of them, you know, through this thing. And I know, you know, even afterwards, Tito said some really nice things about Chuck and things like that. But, you know, now after that fight, do you feel like they both got their closure? Or are they are they kind of have they come full circle? I don't think they're ever going to be best friends again. But do you feel like they got that closure? Um, you know, there's multiple things to that question. I think, you know, first of all, Chuck Liddell would not have been fighting again. You know, and he wasn't fighting just purely by choice that he wanted to go out and fight. I mean, he had a job at the UFC, the UFC sold, um, they let him go, you know, and so Chuck, you know, is struggling to kind of figure out what's next. And that was his option is, you know, to fight. So I think that that had a lot to do with, uh, his motivation. Of course, he's a warrior. Of course he wants to test himself, but you know, had he had that job, he definitely would not have, you know, decided to step back in the octagon. So that's, that's one thing, you know, and as far as their friendship, you know, I think that, uh, you know, listen, these guys are competitors. They they have bad blood um, just because Tito won and said some nice things after the fight. You know, I don't think it's necessarily going to resolve all their conflicts, but they are grown men. And I think they do at the very least appreciate, you know, each other for what they did together for the sport of mixed martial arts. And, you know, on Chuck's side, I'm sure that even though he lost the Tito, you know, in that final bout, I'm sure that, you know, he has a little bit of a, of a humility and, um, and knowing that, Hey, you know what? He got the better of me on this one. And, um, you know, that's, that's just how the fight game goes. Yeah. So I got to ask you, you know, I know going into something, a project of this magnitude and, and especially being that it's a 30 for 30 and, um, you know, you guys did a massive amount of research and homework and things like that. But was there yeah. anything when you got into this, you know, into this where you you found like it just blew your mind because you didn't see it coming? You didn't you didn't know that piece of the story. I mean, there had to have been a few surprises. You guys got into this rabbit hole, you know, of Chuck and Tito that that you didn't see coming and just surprised you. Yeah, you know, I think that one of the things that surprised me at the whole thing is that um, I think I came in with a preconceived notion that Tito was actually crazy when it came to standing up against Dana. And, you know, I, I had always thought oh, Tito was probably, was probably afraid of Chuck and that's why he didn't want to fight Chuck. And I think throughout the process of really looking at it, I mean, we interviewed 45 people, um, you know, for hours and hours and hours, you know, talking to Chuck and Tito for hours, not just their interview, but, you know, on, on the side, you kind of realize like, listen, Tito wasn't afraid to fight Chuck. He just wanted to get paid. You know, and you can say whatever you want to say about them growing the sport and the company being in debt. The reality is they're fighters and their debt, the UFC's debt is not their problem. And I didn't think that Tito was that crazy for wanting to get as much money, you know, and, and especially with the context of looking back at it now, you kind of realize, you know what, if they had held out, they probably would have made more money, you know, and maybe they wouldn't be fighting at you know, 48 and 43. Yeah. 
Well, and I, you know, and that's an interesting point because part of me, you know, wonders too. It's like these guys helped create this company, you know, and, and obviously Dana Wyatt was a massive part of that. You know what I mean? But these guys were, were kind of the draw and, uh, you start thinking, you're like, you know, if their, their careers would have come 15 years later, how much money would they be making today? Yeah, you know, and part of me, you know, yeah, right. I wonder that, you know, and it, and it's like so part part of you goes, well, you know, these guys did trailblaze in so many ways for the current group of you know guys like a Conor McGregor, you know, to to hold out and say, no, this is what I want. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tricky, right? You know, because um, the the unfortunate thing about the time was that you know guys weren't making the same amount of money because they were trying to grow the sport. Now you can say. Well, that's just because the business model that you did, you're not doing a boxing business model. You're not giving them the cut of the pay-per-view and they're trying to build an NFL type system for their fighters for their own, you know, contracts and they're making, you know, that their rate that they make. And that's great for building the sport. That's great for building the UFC, not necessarily great for the fighters. Now, all of that is also kind of, um, up for debate as well, because you can say, well, you know, Chuck made probably $16 million, $20 million in his career. It's not Dana White's fault that, you know, he doesn't have that money anymore. That's fair. However, when you look at boxers and they're making $20 million in one fight, you know, to have the star quality that these guys had, I think that you can see why guys like Tito Ortiz, you know, and Chuck Liddell would probably be like, man, you know, looking back on it, that's not exactly fair. And it's still a debate that's happening today, you know, and um, I'm not the one to say what's right or what's wrong. But you know, I think it is something to consider. Like it came with great cost to build the UFC into a four point five billion dollar company. And the great cost, unfortunately, was on some of the backs of guys like Chuck and Tito. Yeah. So I know, uh, you know, we've been talking about Chuck and Tito. It, uh, you know, obviously it, it debuts tonight on ESPN. Give us the details. And I know this is going to be uh, available on demand later on, correct? Yeah, yeah, I think it's coming out on ESPN Plus on um, the 18th. And so if you have ESPN Plus and you miss it on the 15th tonight, um, then you can check, catch it on ESPN Plus on the 18th. Uh -huh. And on ESPN Plus, there will also be a bunch of uh, bonus features, mainly from the third fight, uh, where we followed these guys all the way up to their third fight. And so you'll get to see a little bit of uh, inside on you know their training, some of their family life stuff and some really interesting stuff that didn't make the film. Yeah. Well, and I find that interesting. Like, you know, a, a, a you know, project of this scope, you know, it's one of those where, you know, I, I, when did you guys start this? Because I mean, obviously it's dropping today, but I mean, when, when did this whole project start? I mean, what, what was the, uh, the lifespan of it? I mean, we, you guys filming two, three years. No, we actually started like right when they announced that the third fight was happening. And so I think our first shoot day was the, press conference in um, Vegas for the third fight. And so um, we were lucky because normally there's like a two-year waiting list for a 30 for 30. But because they had that third fight and this thing got greenlit so fast, we just started rolling. And um, so we followed them for a couple months leading up to the third fight and did a bunch of our interviews, captured a bunch of content that some of it didn't make the film, a lot of it did. And, um, you know, it was really kind of a fun journey to get to know these guys as they're preparing for this last chapter of their careers.
Yeah, and I think that's interesting because not a lot, you know, usually 30 for 30, it's kind of a, a retrospective type of thing. But, you know, not not oftentimes you actually get to follow somebody in real time as they're training and, and you know, and document it in real time and then tell the story afterwards. You know, it's it, usually it's right. an and afterthought. And this one still ends up being a little bit retrospective because, you know, we, we had some um, creative decisions that we had to do and kind of abandon the follow element of it, um, mainly because the um, timeline became more important. Like it doesn't, if you don't know that Chuck ends up getting knocked out and having, you know, head problems, then why does it matter that you're showing him and, you know, now going and having all these medical exams, it just wouldn't make sense. So, you know, the timeline of things made it a little bit complicated to tell the story, but, um, we're going to release a lot of stuff in the bonus features that people can see stuff like that. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Micah, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to phone into uh, the show, man. I absolutely enjoyed this 30 for 30. Like I said, this one ranks up there in, uh, in the top ones uh, past few years that I have watched, man. I, uh, I appreciate the time on the show, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Well, a big, big thank you to uh, Micah Brown for uh, taking the time to uh, come on the show and uh, talk about Chuck and Tito. <laughs> Once again, that thing drops tonight. Uh, if you're tuning in on Tuesday the 15th, if not, go over to ESPN Plus, hit it up, and uh, check it out. Make sure and go to podcastone.com slash survey. Take that survey. Chance to win a $100 Amazon.com gift card. And 200 people are going to get 10 bucks uh, courtesy of Amazon.com and Podcast One. So make sure and go over there to podcast1.com slash survey, fill out the survey, and make sure and check the box for Down and Dirty Show and Project Action. It really supports us. Thanks to Geico and uh, betonline.ag. Use that promo code PODCAST1 and get uh, your 50% sign-up bonus today. And uh, once again, follow me at Jim Beaver 15 on social media. Subscribe to us over there on iTunes. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it for this week. I know upcoming guests, we've got Rutledge Wood. You know him from NASCAR. You know him from the Netflix series Hyperdrive also been a part of uh, Top Gear. Uh, he's a car dude, and uh, we got a great interview with him. We've also, also got George Steinbrenner the fourth. You know that Steinbrenner name from the New York Yankees? Yes, he's also an IndyCar owner, so that coming up as well. we got some good stuff coming your way right here on Project Action on Podcast One. Don't go anywhere. We will be back again next week. You guys have a great, and a, a great week and a solid one, and we'll see you next time.